Reading our Bibles regularly can be a challenge, but we're all on this journey together. We're praying that this podcast inspires you, helps you better understand God's Word, and builds your faith. This is Join the Journey with your host, Emma Dodder. Thanks for joining. You're back in the studio with Hannah Stobbs. I'm a part of the Watermark Institute, and I'm so thankful to be on the Join the Journey podcast for today. I'd love to send you the personal invitation to join Join the Journey in our prayer gathering we have at Watermark at 5.30, specifically our service on December 3rd. Join the Journey will be taking over the prayer service to specifically pray for Join the Journey, for from devotionals to the podcast, to our editors, to what God has in store for us as we're going to be studying thinking and feeling God's way in 2024. So if you're interested in praying with us, praying alongside us, learning more about Join the Journey, we would love to see you on December 3rd at 5.30 at our prayer service. But for today, I'm in the podcast studio with my new friend, T. Parker. What's up, guys? T, I'm so glad you're here. You know what I'm about to ask you. Is your name really T-E-E, T. Parker? It's not. Can you give us the backstory? What is T short for? What? Who am I actually talking to today? Well, T short for Thornwell. Uh, it's my real name, legal name. Um, <laughs> the legal name. Mm-hmm. So Thornwell Parker, but you're not the first— No, I'm the fourth. The fourth. So if you're thinking in your own life today, do I have a boring name? The answer is yes, because your name is not Thornwell Parker the fourth. That's a powerful name. Yeah, I have said, many have said it's uh, like a king's name. Oh, wow. And I'm sure you love, you like wear that with like a badge of honor. Yeah, I try not to be too prideful about it. But, but, uh, but family name. Loki a king. That's <laughs> well, T, we're glad you're in here with us for today. That's awesome. And I'd love to hear a little bit about your story. How did you come to know Jesus and follow him? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so I was born in an amazing family who loves the Lord. Uh, two amazing parents who really led by example, along with my two older sisters. And um, they truly showed me just the joy that they found in Christ. And um, I became curious of that and just like, how, what do they have in their life that is different from mine? Like, it causes us such joy. And um, back in like fifth grade summer, after fifth grade, um, I was looking through my Bible at camp, just on my bunk, like, how can I find this joy? And um, came across Psalms 119.9, how can a young man live on a path of purity? And that really struck me of like, how can I live on a path of purity? How does this path you know, bring joy and uh, bring glory to God? And um, that truly just opened up the world of... Um, just trying my best to live as God would have me to live. And, um, but eventually that turned into just um, spiritual pride, ultimately, of how can I almost glorify myself by living in a path of purity and just being um, mature as I possibly could be um, and not really living for God's glory, but for, my, for mine. Um, that really culminated in COVID, beginning of COVID, um, just a period of loneliness and just realizing that, you know, without time with my friends, um, mm-hmm. just feeling that depth of, I really don't have God with me. Yeah. That deep friendship. Um, and uh, just knowing this, seeing how I have nobody really in my life um, at that time. And uh, I really for like six months of just no prayer and just ever really talking to God. And then one night I'm sitting in bed um, just talking to God for the first time in what seemed like forever, mm-hmm. uh, just feeling his presence. And uh, my dad walks in. He was kind of, it's not that unusual of him to say, but he was like, good night, say your prayers. 
I was like, yeah, it's kind of yeah, normal yeah, thing to say. So. And then, yep. um, <laughs> then like five seconds later, he left and he comes back in. He's like, I'm serious. I'm like, I was like, okay, that's kind of weird. Like, it just was kind of weird. Like, no, you're you're praying tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was like, it was just very abnormal. It's not yeah. something you usually say. And um, I was like, whoa, that was God. Like, that was God speaking through him. Yeah, saying, wow. Like, this is the first time you've prayed in months. And God is there. Like, he wants you. He wants me to be in community with him, just talk to him, and um, just find joy in his presence. And from that time on, it's just, you know, it's a struggle, but it's just a constant pursuit of um, how can I know God more, be in community with God more, more than how can I be more pure? Yeah. Um, just chasing after his presence and not um, just a pure life. No, that's awesome. I think that's a great Oftentimes when people start following after God, they think it's all behavior modification. Like, I'm going to change what I do on the outside and live this pure lifestyle, which is obviously great. But the real change is heart transformation. Like, no, I really want to be changed to be with God and to be in his presence, like you just said. So thanks for sharing your story, T. That's awesome. And praise the Lord, your life has been radically changed by Jesus, which in turn, you get to now share what God has taught you in the passage for today, which is cool. In Ezra 5 and 6, we're kind of in the middle of Honestly, this story of trying to figure out, is this are these things going to be rebuilt or not? That's kind of where we're at. And so question for you, what are some unlikely places you see God at work in this passage? Because honestly, God is at work. He's always at work, but kind of unsure where he is at. So can you tell us what stuck out to you from this passage? Right. So these two chapters, um, I mostly saw um, just how God's authority is overall um, mm-hmm. through, whether that be through the work of Haggai and Zechariah or... Um, to the king Cyrus um, and his successor Darius. Um, hopefully I'm saying that right. But um, That's great. <laughs> uh, he um, just works through them. And specifically, you know, verse 12 of chapter 6. Okay. Um, May God, who has caused his name to dwell there, overthrow any king or people who lifts a hand to change this degree or to destroy this temple in Jerusalem. Um, that was words of Darius, um, just protecting the temple. Um, and towards the end, uh, for seven days they celebrated with joy this festival of unleavened bread because the Lord had filled them with joy by ha- changing the attitude of the king of Assyria so that he assisted them in the work on the house of God, the God of Israel. Um, and he just works through the greatest voices in that day. The kings of Persia yeah. had authority over all the land of Israel and the Middle East. Um, and he transforms their hearts and just uses their voice to glorify his name, to rebuild his temple um, so that he could be worshiped um, in his infinite glory. Um, no, that's great. It's oftentimes, I even think of this in the same passage in verse 11, chapter five, verse 11, it says, and this was their reply to us, we are servants of the God of heaven and earth. Even that authority, we're not talking about a God that is distant and far off. It's no, 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 no. The Lord God, Yahweh, he's the king of heaven and of earth. That's who we're worshiping. And oftentimes I think we forget that as Christians, that when we pray, like you even, your dad being like, say your prayers, like you weren't casually talking to some random, it's the God of the universe that can move in power and do things so unexpectedly, but for his own glory. And that's what we see here, that this work is continued. So T, can you fill us in on some of the people God chooses to use to keep the story going? You've kind of filled us in already on these two friends, but... Who are these two guys that God has and uses in the beginning of this passage? So if we look in the beginning, verses 1 and 2, 5. Um, now Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the prophet, descendant of Idu, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, prophesied, go for it. Prophesied to the Jews in Judah in Jerusalem in the name of God at Israel who was over them. And basically, if we look back in the book of uh, Haggai, yeah. um, the, um, the Jews that had come to rebuild the temple, I think there's about 40,000 of them. Mm-hmm. They were rebuilding the temple and um, making the foundations of the temple, but they abandoned the project um, because they were being threatened yeah. and um, went to build houses of their own. Um, is what you see they're ultimately doing. And then God sends Haggai and Zechariah to encourage them to go back and fulfill God's commandment to um, to rebuild his temple and for his glory. And um, and then it moves on to the kings and issuing their decrees, which um, ultimately lead to the finishing of the temple. Mm-hmm. And there's a huge gap here. If we like look even in our study Bible, it says that the, the time that was in between them starting this work to when Haggai and Zachariah show up is 20 years. So it's a good amount of time for people to get, I don't know about you, I mean, I, you're not even 20 years old. Like, as long as you've been alive plus some of people stopping this work that God is doing and now trying to get the work that he wanted to be done continued, that can be really discouraging. So having people encourage you along in the work that God has is huge. And again, like you just said earlier, the reminder of we're not just doing this work a casual work, but it's the work unto the Lord for his glory and the authority that he gives you. So my last question for you, T, as we wrap up our time together, what is a truth from this passage that can apply to your life today? So as someone that plays plays football and does all these other things, like what's the one truth you can take away from this? Yeah, we ultimately see that God has ultimate authority yeah. over our life. And um, there's nothing we can do to escape that. I mean, the Jews went to go build houses themselves to escape his authority, to escape his commands, but no, he pulled them back in and had him continue building this temple. Um, and even the, like the kings, I mean, ultimately their reason for wanting the Jews to rebuild the temple and Cyrus first issuing that command and then Darius um, bringing that to fruition, they wanted to use that temple to glorify themselves. Like they gave them infinite resources of the mm-hmm. Persian Empire to create this temple that was supposed to be um, way bigger, we see in the dimensions, 60 cubits wide, 60 cubits high. Um, that was, I forgot how many times bigger than Solomon's uh, original temple. Um, they were trying to glorify themselves, make themselves seem stronger than the original Israel empire. Yeah. But God takes that and he turns that to his good and um, ultimately glorifies himself um, through that, through the rebuilding of the temple. Yeah, the simple thing that they were building with their own human hands, like the temple, obviously was for God, but they quickly tried to turn it about themselves when ultimately all the work of our hands, all the things that we do should be to honor and glorify God. And if we miss that, even as someone in high school or an adult or someone in their job or someone in the workplace, we're missing out on the point of our lives, which is to glorify God in all that we do. So, T, thanks for being with us today. We loved having you on here. Thank you. And as always, I'm so glad we're all on this journey reading the Bible together. The Join the Journey podcast is produced by Watermark Community Church in Dallas, Texas. You can learn more about Watermark by connecting with us on social media. Just search Watermark Church, all one word. And to read along with us, visit jointhejourney.com. And thank you guys for listening.